Well, I went way too long in Psalms chapter 23 because I wanted to focus on some prayer time. That is such an encouraging psalm. And also our passage at the New Testament is this incredible passage on healing. And if there was ever a time I needed to stress healing, it's in the middle of this COVID-19 thing. So please forgive me. Go back and read the passage in Leviticus. I'm not skipping over it myself, but please go back and read over it. And let me focus on Mark chapter 5 today. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. When Jesus, and notice when the when, when Jesus had crossed over again, so he's going, if you notice the Sea of Galilee, he's going back and forth and back and forth, all right? When Jesus had crossed over again in a boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, all right? So Jesus had large crowds for a season. And he was beside the sea, so he's right there along the shores of the Galilee. Then one of the rulers of the synagogue, all right, this would be like a pastor, okay? For lack of a better term, it would be like the pastor of the synagogue. It was the, it was the person in charge of the synagogue. His name is Jairus. Now, remember, we see other rulers like the rich young ruler, okay? Jairus by name. Seeing him, he fell at his feet. Wow. He sees Jesus, fell at his feet. His response to Jesus in a time of need. Now, all of us have been through this. All of us have been through seasons when we have incredible need. And it's like the presence of God comes into our sala, or the presence of God comes into our bedroom, or the presence of God comes down in the service. And our response to that in our time of need is to fall at his feet. Sometimes we kneel. Sometimes we lay prostrate before him. He implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he wanted two things. He wanted healing and he wanted her to live because she's at the point of death. Now, this is when most give up. As long as people still feel look like they're strong, people keep praying. But isn't it interesting that at the point of death, when most people would give up and say, all right, it's time to accept the inevitable, that's when this man came and cried out to Jesus. See, as long as there is breath, there is hope. And like I said earlier, there's no such thing as false hope. <laughs> there is no such thing as false hope in God. At the very point of death, come and lay your hands. Jesus, I want your hands laid on my daughter. Please, I, I don't want you to send one of the apostles. Please, would you come and lay your hands on her? Your hands, Jesus. Sometimes, when you're sick in your body, that's what you pray for. Sometimes you say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to call for the elders of the church to lay hands on me, and I will do that because that is a Bible command, and we should do it. And everybody said, okay, when, when you're sick, you call for us. We, we want to come and lay hands on you and pray for you. But sometimes you lay there in your bed and you say, Lord, I want you to lay your hands on me. Lay your hands on me. And Jesus went with them. 
This is one of those wows in my Bible, all right? You didn't have to beg Jesus. You didn't have to twist his arm. You didn't have to offer him money. And he went with him. <laughs> and he went with him. Jesus, I'll give you 100 pesos for your transportation if you'll come. No. And he went with him. Your Jesus is a wonderful Jesus. And a great crowd followed him and thronged around him. So, all right. So the crowd comes too. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Wow. 12 years. 12 years. That means she's weak. That means she's anemic. That means, <laughs> that means she's really sick. All right. I mean, if she's been going through this for 12 years, this, you know, sometimes these lingering sicknesses are worse than a sudden sickness because they just take you down. And she had lived down and weak for 12 years. Now, this is what I call these lingering, lingering sickness. And many people just learn to live with it. She did not want to live with it. She did not want to live with it. You know, there are people, you just, you just learn to live with your sickness and it weakens you every day of your life. This passage shows you, you don't have to live like this. Jesus carried away your sicknesses and your diseases. By his stripes, you have been healed. First Peter. And she had suffered much under many physicians. Now, and spent all she had, but was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, please, this is nothing against doctors. I have many good friends that are doctors, okay? But there are some doctors that you suffer under. And, you know, sometimes the treatments and the tests, it hurts. Okay. She'd suffered much under many physicians. And every year during School of the Cross, I have these little medical instruments laid out for you that, that I was able to purchase from the time of Jesus. And when you see those instruments and you see what they used, yeah, you would have suffered. And she spent all she had. You know what? sickness, let's, let's just say it, treatment hurts, and treatment is expensive, and treatment does not always work, okay? Now, again, this is nothing against doctors, but I just want you to see what this woman had been through. In her experience, she'd suffered much. She'd had every specialist look at her, many physicians. She, had, she didn't have a second opinion. She had 500 opinions, okay? And spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, here's the beautiful thing. She had heard the reports about Jesus. Oh, beloved, if there was ever a reason for you to tell people what Jesus has done for you, this woman was there, and this woman pressed in to get her miracle. 
because of the testimonies of other people. Oh, beloved, please, when God does a miracle for you, share it with others. And not just the financial miracles. Everybody likes to testify about that. When God heals you, when God raises you up, when God touches your body, tell people. This, this is what gave this woman, and literally, this woman had hope. This woman had hope because of a testimony. Because of a testimony, this woman pursued Jesus. Oh, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Oh, I like that. For she said, if I touch even his garment, okay, even, she said, I, I don't need to touch his hand. I don't need to touch his shoulder. I don't need to touch his feet. If I can just touch just his garment, I will be made well. Now here's faith confessed. Here's faith confessed. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. One of our old time members walked up to me one time and told me their testimony. They were extremely sick and doctors did not expect them to recover. And they said, something just came in their heart. If I can get to church, if I can just get in church, I will be healed. And so she said that to her relatives. Well, her relatives took her. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I never prayed for the sick that day. Never prayed for the sick that day. It was more of a teaching service that day. And her relatives were very disappointed. And after the service, they said, you must have misheard God. It must have just been something. She said, no. She said, look at me. Look at how I'm walking. I'm healed. They said, but pastor didn't pray for the sick. She said, that's not what God showed me. God showed me if I would be in his house, I would be healed. He didn't say if pastor came and laid hands on me. Now, you have to understand there are things that you will have faith for. If I touch the hem of his garment, just touch the hem, not be prayed for by Jesus, not touch his feet, not hold his hand, not even be noticed by Jesus. If I just touch the hem of his garment, that was her faith. That every one of the, that there'll be something that will be quickened in our heart. Faith without works is dead. And there'll be some little trigger, some little thing that will, will touch us. And I know I'm preaching more than devotions this morning, but healing is where we're all living right now, okay? There's going to be some little trigger in you that I can have faith for that. And it's just some little act. Faith without works is dead. For her, that little works was touch the hem of his garment. I don't know what it will be for you. And then she began to confess it. And immediately... The flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of, the, of her disease. Healing is real. Healing is real. Immediately the blood dried up. Now, that doesn't mean she's got all of her strength back. That doesn't mean the anemia from the loss of iron is gone. But from that point forward, she's going to get stronger because the blood stopped. From that point forward, the blood stopped. 
Now, not total strength yet, but blood stopped. And she felt in her body, hey, I feel different. I feel different that she had been healed of her disease. Healing is not some psychological thing. Healing is real. She, the blood stopped and she felt a change in her body. Right now this morning, some of you faith is growing within your heart. And already this morning, some of you, you felt the change. He said, but pastor, you haven't prayed for anybody. He sends his word and heals them. As the word goes forth, healing flows. Oh, I'm loving this. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power, that ability, had gone out from him, he immediately turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? <laughs> now, this is Jesus, all right? I've heard preachers stand up and say this. I, this is not something that I would ever say because I'm not a source of power. Power had gone out from him. I am not a source of power. I may be a conduit of the flow of the Holy Spirit, but power does not reside in me. I'm just human flesh and blood just like you. I can be a, a conduit, but I'm not a source. So th this is one of those things that you'll never hear me say. I can perceive power is going out from me. Power doesn't come from me. Power comes from the Lord. This, this healing power comes from the Lord. Now, we may sense that God is doing miracles. We may, may sense the touch of the Holy Spirit and supernatural and, and the gifts of the Spirit are flowing, but the power doesn't come out from us. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and yet you say, who touched me? In other words, this was a very dense crowd. There was no social distancing, all right? There was no social distance. All right? uh, there, there was none of that. These people were pushing in and shoving. So there were a lot of people touching. There's a lot of people touching Jesus. But only one person touched him in faith. Ah, oh, I like that. Who touched me? This was a touch in faith. Many touching. Touch him in faith. A lot of people crowd around Jesus. Touch him in faith. He looked around to see who had done it. But then woman, knowing what had happened to her, and something had happened, something had happened, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. <laughs> she was afraid. Now remember, Jesus is this great rabbi. She was afraid, done something wrong. That's what she was afraid of, that she'd done something wrong. Now, before you think that that's weird or masochistic or whatever you want to say it, remember, she had a flow of blood. A rabbi would be made unclean if he touched a woman who had a flow of blood or if a woman who had a flow of blood touched him. A rabbi would be unclean according to the Mosaic law. 
So you, you have to understand, she, she came in fear because, and trembling because she thought she had done something wrong. She would have made Jesus's garments unclean. And he would have had to go and change his clothes. And he would have had to go offer sacrifice and all kinds of things because she thought she had made his garments or maybe even him unclean. Jesus didn't even address all that stuff. He said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your diseases. Notice, be healed. Continuous tense. It's not coming back. It's not coming back. I love it. Your faith. Jesus said, it's not my faith that healed you. Not the faith of the apostles that healed you. Your faith. Now, did you see how easy getting a healing by your faith is? You hear the stories of what Jesus has done for others. Hope rises in your heart. You see an opportunity. Faith is sparked in your heart. There's a little work of faith that you put with it, something, some little thing that God touches your heart to do. And as you do it, a miracle flows in your life. While he was still there speaking, oh, while he was still there speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So this guy said, no hope. Now, can you imagine the emotional roller coaster of Jairus, this ruler of the synagogue. He has just watched a miracle of mercy before his eyes. Now he is really pumped. He is really excited about Jesus getting to his house and, and touching his daughter. I mean, he's excited. And just as they turn to keep going to his house, yo, rabbi, yo, ruler, don't bring the rabbi anymore. Your daughter's dead. Patana. Grabe talaga. He went, Jesus is coming to my house. The woman healed. Crash. You can almost feel the devastation of his soul. But overhearing what they said, now Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. This is in a continuous tense. Do not fear, only keep believing. This is the answer to bad news. This is the answer to bad news. Keep believing. Oh, Pastor Summer, you're creating false hope. How can you have, how can hope be false when your hope is in God? Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just keep believing. Whatever bad news you hear today, you're believing for a miracle. Whatever bad news you hear today, just keep believing. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. All right, so Jesus, now he cuts the, he cuts the crowd. Okay, I don't want anybody else with me. Everybody just stay here. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead. But sleeping, they laughed at him. You know what? People still laugh at Jesus. They still laugh at faith. This, this was Jesus' statement of faith. This was Jesus' statement of faith. 
they laughed at him. People still laugh at faith. <laughs> they laughed at it. But it put them all outside. <laughs> no mockers allowed. When you're believing God for a miracle, clear out the mockers. Now, now, please don't misinterpret me on this. But if you're struggling for a miracle and you've got people around you that are making fun of you, clear them out. I didn't say not go have lunch with them later after you get your miracle, but for right now, clear out the mockers from your life. Clear out the people that are laughing at you about believing God for a miracle. You, you don't need that when you're fighting a good fight of faith. All right? Clear out the mockers. He put them all outside. Notice he did this. Jesus cleared the room. Just like he cleared the temple courts, he cleared this house. He cleared the room. Sometimes you need to clear out of your life the mockers. And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. Now, who was with him? Peter, James, and John. Okay? Men of faith. He had men of faith with him where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. <laughs> little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Now, you know, sometimes... No testimony. No testimony to the mockers. Okay? No testimony to the mockers. Okay? Just, these people are just mocking. Don't go, don't go outside and parade this. Don't do that. No one should know this. But now here's an important part. He told them to give her something to eat. She'd not eaten for a while. So in other words, just because there's a miracle doesn't mean that they're all back to normal. Sometimes people have to get some rest. They need to eat. They need to drink. They're healed, but their body must now get its strength back. And this is a principle people often forget in miracles. Chapter 6, verse 1. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. His hometown. What was Jesus' hometown? Nazareth. Now, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was going to tell you, here's, here's something I'm studying these days, because everybody wants to talk about days off. Jesus was never too busy for people. If people needed him, they needed him. And on Shabbat, when everybody else is resting, Jesus is preaching. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, 
the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, are not his sisters, plural, with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. Wow. Now notice, they only could see him and define him by the past. He's a carpenter. He's the son of Mary. He's got three brothers, or excuse me, four brothers, Juan, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And he has at least two or more sisters. Now, several things I want you to see here. First of all, Mary did not remain a virgin. After Now, she was a virgin, and Joseph kept her a virgin until after Jesus was born, because that's what he was told to do. But after Jesus was born, he had a normal physical relationship with Mary. And then God gave her sons, James, Joseph, Judas, Simeon, and at least two sisters or more. So Jesus grew up in a big family. He was Kuya. And they took offense at him. Now, th this word offense is important. Offense is all about opinions. Offense has nothing to do with right and wrong. It's the Greek word that means to see something in somebody that you dislike or disagree with, and therefore it gives you the right to rebel or speak against them. Now, that's a long definition, but that's literally what this word means, okay? It, it's, it's a big word, and they took offense at him. Now, you're, you're going to find that there are people because they think they know you, and they don't like something about you. They take offense at you. One of the biggest challenges I have with young pastors is, you know, they go out and they get close to people and then people don't see something about them that they don't like. I didn't say it's a sin. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with sin or righteousness. It has to do in their opinion. And so they're offended because it's not something I like. I will never forget one of the funniest illustrations of this is quite a few years ago, I was trying to play badminton, lose some weight, get in shape. And I've enjoyed badminton since I was a little kid. I used to play it in competition from the time I was in, what, third grade, fourth grade, something like that. And I played it all the way, competition all the way through ninth grade. I mean, we used to, I used to travel with a little group called the Mott Badminton, Mott Badminton Club, okay, uh, in, in a little town called Flint, Michigan. And it was a little thing where they got people who could play badminton, and we went around like a, a badminton team, all right? So I, I like badminton. I always have. If, if I like to watch badminton, I, I know it may sound weird, but I even like to watch badminton on television or on, on YouTube or whatever, like the, the, cha the world championships that just took place. I enjoyed watching at least the highlights of those. But I was over playing badminton one time, and a member saw me, and I was in shorts and a T-shirt and tennis shoes, and I had a wristband on because when you're called bow, you sweat. And I had a headband on because when you're bald, the sweat comes into your eyes. And they were very offended. They said, Pastor Summerall doesn't look like a pastor. He looks like a biker gang guy. And I just sat back and laughed. 
And they, they said they were going to stop coming to our church because of what I looked like when I played badminton. Had I sinned? No. Had I done anything wrong? No. Was I in any way immodest? No. But they just didn't like what the way I looked. Now, you're going to find this with pastors, and you're going to find this in your life. There will be people who will be horribly offended at you, and it has nothing to do with sin or righteousness. It's an offense. Offenses come from opinions. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Among his relatives and in his own household. He said, all right, this is, this is where you're not going to see honor for a man of God. Hometown, relatives, and household. And he could do no mighty work there. Now, there's one of my big wows in my Bible, okay? Except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. All right, so attitudes affect miracles. They couldn't have faith because they couldn't, they couldn't get past who he had been to see who he is. He could, they couldn't get past the natural person to see who he was, the Son of God. See, Jesus was fully God and fully man. They couldn't get past the natural viewpoint, okay? The natural viewpoint. They couldn't get past the natural viewpoint and see who he was. And you know what? That's what it takes to receive a miracle. And he marveled at their unbelief. Now you can start a list here. Things that shocked Jesus. Start a list in your little journal and start keeping track of all the things that shocked Jesus. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Would you look at this unbelief? <laughs> wow. Thought I knew these folks. And he went among all among he went out about among the villages teaching. So Jesus didn't stop doing his work because they didn't believe in him. Jesus just kept going. Wow. All right, little bit of Proverbs before we close out today. And I know I missed Leviticus because I knew I really wanted to spend some time on that passage in Mark. Receive healing. It's not hard. Receive your healing. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, to close out with a little bit of wisdom. The Proverbs of Solomon, chapter 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a father glad. Okay, A son who has some wisdom makes his father glad. But a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. Young people, do you really want to make mom and dad glad? Have wisdom. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. Now, there's a, there's a great truth. When people, when people gain money by doing things wrong, it does not profit. New Living Translation said, tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. All right? No lasting value. See, when God gives you prosperity, it just keeps growing. It keeps lasting. But you know, you, you look around and you, you can see businesses that have made their money by corruption. You can see preachers that have made their money by corruption. You can see uh, employees that have 
profited by their corruption. And you'll see there's no lasting value. But people that God has given it to, they just keep going. And I like how the Bible says from glory to glory. And the Hebrew word there for glory is wealth. One of the translations of that word glory is wealth. They keep going from wealth to wealth. They just, they just keep increasing. Why? Because they didn't get it the wrong way. Righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. This is his promise. You have no idea how often I prayed this promise for our members during COVID-19, especially those first three lockdown months. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. And I would come and I say, Lord, remember your promise. You said you will not let the righteous go hungry. And have you looked around? God's been faithful to his promise, brothers and sisters. Look at your life. Look at how God has provided. Yes, you had to work. Of course, we had to work. But look at how God provided. Your children ate. The Lord did not let the righteous go hungry. But he thwarts the craving of the wicked. All right, so the wicked crave. The wicked, they, they want nice things. But God said they're not going to have them. A slack hand causes poverty. So here is a cause of poverty. A slack hand. You know, it's amazing how many people want to come along and just say, well, you know, it's not the Lord's will to prosper me. Yeah, it is. You just got to get off your butt and stop watching Eat Bulaga and stop playing your video games and get to work. Okay? A slack hand causes poverty. This is a cause. A lazy person. This causes poverty. You, you can take a young man born in a wealthy family, and because he's lazy and he wants to sit around and watch Eat Bulaga and play his video games and surf the internet, you know what? He's going to be poor. I don't care what profession he's in. He's going to be poor. But, but our family is wealthy and he'll have an inheritance, but it will dissipate because what causes poverty is in him. When poverty is in a person's life, it doesn't matter how much you give them. They will be poor eventually. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Wow. Hard work makes rich. A diligent person, that's, that's hard work and focus, okay? A diligent person is not just hard work, it's, it's focused hard work. It's, it's getting my job done. That makes a person rich. Now, this promise is true even during COVID-19, all right? In the middle of COVID-19, if we will work hard, God will make it rich. God will bless the work of our hands. So now notice, remember, the promise is to bless the work of our hands. Now, when people teach you prosperity from the standpoint of just sowing, that, that's not true. There has to be a lifestyle that goes with that. Yes, sowing seed is a part of it. Yes, tithing is a part of it. But hard work is also a part of it. Now notice, the promise is that God will bless the work of our hands. If we have a, a slack hand, we're going to be poor. If we have a diligent hand, will be made rich. There's a lot of work for God to bless. He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. 
you've often heard me say harvest is the hardest working time of an agricultural cycle. The Bible teaches us that sowing seed is like an agricultural cycle. God graciously gives us seed to sow. We sow that seed. We pray for the watering of the Holy Spirit upon that seed. But then there comes a time when it's, it's harvest time. And harvest time is not God just filling up your bank account. Harvest time is, wow, there's a lot of work to do right now. My, my, my pastor friend Claude in, in Rockhampton, he and I were talking the other day. And he said, you know, business in, in some of these other cities in, in the nation is just dead. Adelaide, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, businesses are going bankrupt. He said, the businessmen in our church are making more money than ever before. He said, they can't keep up with the work. Now listen to what he said to them. He said, and my advice to them was, don't add more staff, just work more hours. He said, make the money. This is the time to gather the money. And I thought, you know what, what wisdom he offered to his, to his businessmen. In a harvest season, don't go out and hire more people. Work harder yourself. Ah, harvest season is a season of hard work. And when someone sleeps in the harvest season, it's all out there. And then they say, why didn't God prosper me? He did. You just wouldn't go. My chair just did something. Welcome to live. All right. He, he just wouldn't go out and do the work. Please, brothers and sisters, God has a harvest for you, but we have to be willing to work hard. The diligent hand makes rich. Amen. All right. We'll see you tonight, seven o'clock sharp, as we get back into the book of Romans.